On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Steve Wasik from Victory Gear uh, Insoles. We had such a good conversation. Uh, we talked about what it takes uh, to be a CEO of different size companies, uh, what he focuses on uh, as the CEO. We talked about how they 10X'd their traffic uh, this year. Just an insane story. Uh, how they 10 x their email list this year. Just all sorts of incredible things. This episode went, went on a little longer than we normally go, and it is absolutely worth it, guys. But hey, guys, we all know how daunting it can be to rely on past inventory projections, especially when it comes to getting the exact right amount of inventory in time for the holiday season. I'm sure lots of you guys are there right now. Well, I actually have an exciting solution to share with you today. Introducing my buddies over at Portless. It's a logistics company that is legitimately changing the game for D2C businesses. By shipping your products directly from China straight to your customers with a fully domestic shopping experience, including custom packaging and local tracking numbers, which is the biggest thing here, they're actually able to keep you in stock all throughout the holiday season and hopefully actually with less inventory on hand, which we all know will help us with our cash issues. Uh, with Q4 right around the corner, it is absolutely crucial to prepare for this holiday ramp up and secure your inventory. Do not let the risks of overstock or stockouts or having your cash flow tied up in inventory hold you back. Portless has revolutionized the way the brands move inventory. Say goodbye to the days of ordering inventory way in advance like I still do. <laughs> uh, you have access to factory MOQs and you can replenish fast moving products super, super fast generally sometimes within three to five days, allowing you to capitalize on the demand and then eliminate product wastage. Gone are the days of long shipping times that come with traditional cargo shipping. Remember what it was like during 2020 with cargo shipping? First of all, there were so many delays. And second of all, the price went from $2,000 a container to like $20,000 a container. It was absolutely insane. With Portless, your inventory is ready for sale within two to four days of being manufactured. That's crazy. The shipping within China is so ridiculously fast and cheap to actually get you to Portless, which is incredible. That means no more waiting 45 to 60 days for your products to actually arrive, right? Portless understands the importance of being nimble and cash positive in the world of D2C and e-commerce. That's why they're here to make it easier for brands like you guys. And if you guys are agency owners as well, I would definitely let all of your brands know about this. They ship to over 55 countries from their fulfillment center in China. And your customers are still going to enjoy the domestic shipping experience within six to eight day shipping. And again, you know, their average is five days. I know they don't want me to say that, but that is their average. And last mile tracking numbers from trusted carriers like USPS and Canada Post. But here's the game changer. Not only is this premium experience not expensive, it's actually cheaper than your current fulfillment options. I have zero doubt about that. That's because cargo shipping often comes with a laundry list of extra fees that eat into your profits, right? Import duties, terminal handling charges. Oh, de-stuffing fees. Oh, I love that one. Portless is here to help you improve your gross margins by up to 40% by eliminating those fees and costs. If you're looking for a way to take control of your inventory and free up cash flow for this holiday season and moving into Q1, Portless is the answer. This is the answer for you guys. So down in the show notes, we are going to have a link for you to try Portless out. So go to the link and order a product, order it to your address somewhere here in North America and see what happens. And again, for the, my Australia listeners as well, they do ship down there too. So try it out. It's an incredible experience and you can see how seamless 
it looks honestly. Guys, we are thinking about moving all of our fulfillment over there because it is such a phenomenal experience and is changing our cash conversion cycle absolutely massively. So again, links down in the show notes. I'll probably be talking about these guys a lot in the future. Anyway, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Looking forward to this conversation today. It's actually interesting because I have had somebody from Steve's team on the podcast ages ago. I think this was like years ago that we had somebody from Victory come on and really looking forward to having this conversation today with Steve. So without further ado, Steve Wasik from Victory. Steve, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks, Jordan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to talking with you. Interestingly, before we started, you were like, hey, wh- what does your sign say back there? And, and so we were kind of getting into... So for people who are listening to this, just so you know, the new branding and the sort of new tagline that we have at Upgrowth Commerce is agencies suck. And the very first question that people ask me is like, wait, don't you also own an agency? Mike, <laughs> yes. Isn't Upgrowth an agency? Yes, Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because what we've really discovered is that a lot of people, and Steve has this same sentiment where it's like, hey, you know, 75 to 80% of the agency relationships that we've had just didn't work out. And I get that. I get that. As a brand owner, I'm like, yes, this is why we have this, right? To remember constantly of like, hey, we do not want to be that agency that sucks, you know, because I would say, I'd probably say 75% of them out there are not delivering the kind of value that they are then getting back in return from the customer. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. I'll, I'll do a solo podcast all about that today. But it's just a really interesting sort of concept because I think a lot of you probably have that same sentiment. And so that's why we're just calling it out so that we're not that agency. Anyway, Steve, for uh, people who don't know anything about you or anything about Victory, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, sure. So I've been with Victory now since the beginning. That was back in 2016. What we do is we make the world's number one sports insole. And what's so special about it is the carbon fiber base plate. It's a patented design. And it's really, it's a full length design. It's designed to return energy to the athlete. So when the athlete bends their foot, the base plate stores the energy. The athlete pushes off, it returns the energy. So athletes, we've got independent testing that shows athletes can actually jump higher, an average of 1.6 inches, and they can run faster, an average improvement of zero. And two seconds in the 40. And in addition to that, because of the added support stability and real shock absorption, because again, the athlete is jumping and landing on spring, the, we can reduce the amount of injuries. So we've seen, again, independent studies show 41% less foot and toe injuries and 22% less lower leg injuries. So now as a marketer, I love to actually be marketing a product that's truly proven, scientifically proven to work that makes my job a lot easier. Absolutely. 1.6 inches more on their vertical. Yeah. That's yeah. shocking. Every time I hear that, I'm like, what? That's a huge amount of, of difference on your vertical. That's the average. You know, we certainly have some guys like me who are not going to be able to do 1.6 inches, but you know, this that might is actually just be your vertical is 1.6 inches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe 1.4, but you know, we've got guys who are jumping an extra four or five inches. You know, it really has a lot to do with their, their muscularity as well as their technique uh, for jumping. But we've got some great videos on our website that you see kids dunking for the first time in their lives. And they're just, I imagine they're thrilled. Oh, a- absolutely. What a feeling. I remember when I was uh, in high school and I was actually able to actually dunk for the first time. 
And yes. I'm six four, just so everybody knows. Oh. So I, I I do have a bit of an advantage, and I did have a great vertical in high school. It's like all I cared about. So I started with the layup dunk, you know, where you like lay it in and then you grab Finger on, roll. and then eventually I was able to palm it and and go in, and that was like the greatest thing ever. I actually tried recently. We were at like a conference, and there just happened to be a basketball hoop there. Totally got hurt. Like just just <laughs> what a, what a fool. You should have been wearing three insults. I know. And I just imagine what I what I'm saying is imagine if I would have. Steve, uh sorry if you mentioned it before, just for, for our audience, what what is your uh, what is your day-to-day role sort of look like there? Yeah, so I'm the CEO of the company, and this is the fourth time I've been the CEO at a company. So my background is kind of traditional product, you know, consumer products going from big companies like Chanel and Cadbury Schweppes into smaller companies and uh, early stage, many cases starting at zero. So, you know, I've certainly learned that I love the small company environment, love the agility that brings. And, you know, I, with Victory, what I loved about it and what brought me here was the fact it was a great product, as I mentioned earlier, great people behind it. It's kind of started as a family business and I really love the sport. And yeah, again, yeah. It's, it's really nice to be working with a product, you know, makes a difference in people's lives, you know. Not just people who've never dunked before, but got great testimonials of kids who maybe weren't playing that well, were sitting on the bench, and they started using our insoles, and they started seeing their performance improve, and their coaches and the players would see it. And you know, we get letters all the time from moms and dads saying thank you so much for performance reasons. Then other moms and dads who said, you know, my kid had shin splints or sore knees, and since they've been using your product, you know, they're they're playing it and they love it. And so wow. that's what all wow. parents want, right? Is to be happy. That's yeah. I mean that that's absolutely massive. I actually want to want to talk a little bit of sort of the CEO talk here because I think that there is something interesting as brands start out, right? A lot of times, like you'll start out, you're doing like a hundred thousand in sales. You're like, I'm the CEO of the company, right? And it's like, well, yeah, no, no, you're just you're you're literally everything. Yeah, I was gonna say that's when you don't admit to being the CEO company until it's successful. I'm, I'm just kidding. It's interesting. One of, one of my good buddies uh, has grown his company pretty substantially over the years, and he actually just stepped down as CEO. And he had done a great job, but I think he got to around 150 employees and was just like, you know, I actually cannot take it to that next level. After working in, in some bigger companies, it's funny because this morning I was dreaming about what's going on with Disney right now. I was thinking a lot about what's going on with Disney and, and poor Bob, Bob Iger coming back in and all of the massive issues that they're dealing with right now. Like, I mean, leading indicators of what's happening at Disney right now are terrifying, are absolutely yeah. terrifying. And so I was armchair CEOing all day to like, oh, well, I mean, he needs to cut this and cut this and stop making so many friggin' Marvel movies. Stop it. Nobody wants to see another Marvel movie, Bob. But but it's funny because it is it is maybe one of the biggest pressures that you can go through is steering sure. these big ships. And then you get to come yeah. in and, and do this on a smaller level. Which one do you prefer? Well, I, I prefer a smaller level, of course, uh, because, you know, as you started saying, you know, I, I, I am the CEO, but um, I was the chief bottle washer, too, you know, for the first three or four years. So you're basically doing everything. And I think to be successful with a small company, you have to be able to roll up your sleeves. You have to have some humility. It's going to be Rocky Road. And for us, you know, our target has been young athletes. So typically high school athletes is kind of our core consumer. So you can imagine what happened during COVID. You know, we launched this business back in 2016 and we had a nice growth through 2019. And then COVID team sports and schools were shut down and we really had to figure out how to survive. So that was very challenging. And fortunately, we were able to make it through 
uh, that period. And then our growth has continued. So, but I think to be a good CEO of a small company, you have to have patience. You have to have, you know, resilience, knowing there's some times. On this note, because there's a lot of founders that are listening to this, a lot of people who have built, you know, the sort of average listener here, just so you guys know, from from what we know, is founders slash CEOs slash CMOs of companies sort of eight figures plus. That's generally who's listening to this podcast, just because we, we generally have on people who have taken their business to a bit of a higher level that is a little bit aspirational, right? So for you guys who are listening to this right now, Steve, what I want to ask you is, what are the three top things that you think about as a CEO when you wake up in the morning for steering the ship or, or wh- whatever that is. I don't want to say that it, steering is the, you know, the number one thing that you do. What does that look like? What are you focusing on to make sure to continue to drive the company forward? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, certainly I think what everybody knows and says is cash, you know, cash is king. We got to make sure we pay our people and how do we generate cash? So you're always looking at how do you, how do you acquire new customers efficiently and affordably? I mean, that's been at the top of our list, you know, really since the start. Like I said, we know we have a great product. When I've been out raising capital, questions come up, what keeps you awake at night? And for me, it was knowing that we have an amazing product, an amazing team, but just making sure that we have enough money really to get the word out there. So that's been critical for us. And, I, you know, the other thing is making sure that my team is taken care of, you know, many cases it's been hard financially to do so as a small company, but making sure that you continue to communicate with the team, make sure they they know, you know, your direction, what you're thinking, be consistent. And then I would say, you know, the other thing is make sure you understand your customer. So be in touch with your customer. I mean, building a community is kind of a buzz term. But I, I think, you know, understanding your customer has been around, you know, since I started business. And, and so that's what I think we do really well. You know, we have a great money back guarantee policy. We're always very flexible. We haven't gone the automated service route. We want to make sure people are mm-hmm. people. And I think people appreciate it. Get some amazing reviews, both on our product and on our service. I just want to actually go to the money back guarantee for a second here. Guys, if you're not doing that, you are leaving so much money on the table. If you, do, First of all, number one, if you don't think that you can do that and you don't think that you can stand by your word, mm-hmm. then don't do it. And actually don't be in business because it is probably the easiest thing that you can do. We do that at, even at Upgrowth where this is like, Guys, these are like, we have some like $20,000 retainers and we have a money back guarantee based on certain levels because we actually believe in what we do. And same at our brands. Every single brand is, we don't care. You send it back. If you're not happy, do it. Think about the top brands out there. Are any of them brutal with their returns? Costco? Uh, sorry, and I know Costco's not, I mean, I guess Costco's, Kirkland's kind of a brand. But like, like you know, when you buy anything at Costco, you can bring it back 50 years later if you want. Like, you just know that. And so as a consumer, you just open your wallet a lot more. Do you bring a lot of stuff back? No. Do people bring hot tubs back that they've used for 10 years? Yes, you will get taken advantage of. But this money back guarantee idea is, is something I really think is essential to a good business, to a business that people actually trust. I think everybody term 30-day money back guarantee might have been the first foundation for it. But you know, we went from 30 to 60 to 90, and we realized that We'll need time to try our product. You know, the returns that we get, 90% of them are in the first week. So we're not seeing returns necessarily in the 80, 90th. Absolutely, we stand behind the product. Steve, I'd love to know, let's get into product because I think product is incredibly important. Actually, interestingly, I was watching a Alex Hermosi video last night 
who is like my new Gary V. And I really loved what he was talking about is that a lot of, especially in, in the early stage, a lot of people will go, you know, spend a little bit of time on product, then go to marketing and then just go hard and hard on marketing because they're getting the results. The problem is it's diminishing returns because your product sucks, right? You haven't spent enough time actually on your product. How do you then convey that? Because you guys have an incredible product. How do you look at like where you spend your time with continuing to refine that product and continuing to message that product versus marketing on your side? Yeah, well, what I said earlier about uh, being in touch with the consumer, you know, we look at every single comment. We use Hotjar in terms of uh, post-purchase. So we learn a little bit of how people found out about us, but we also read every single testimonial especially the one-star reviews. And we don't get that many, fortunately. But you know, we, we try to dial down what is the, there's a challenge, problem that we're seeing continue or persistent, then we address it. So we're always fine-tuning our product. You know, since I started, we must have had a dozen changes to that same star core product that we offer. Because again, we don't rest on our laurels. And then we're always looking for new ways to excite the consumer. We know who our consumer is. We just launched a product called Propulsions, like our insoles, and that is stores energy and returns it to the app. And we're finding some great uh, reviews. Can you tell me about that product? Uh, that's super interesting to me. We're like, yeah, yeah. how does that work? I, I know. I was going to say there's no carbon fiber in the socks, but uh, what it is, it's tension bands that are built throughout the sock. It's a compression sock. But okay. when you put it on your foot, it actually pulls the front of your foot down a little bit. And uh-huh. so therefore, when you start to walk or run, it gives you a little bit of spring forward. So it literally puts a spring in your step. But those bands, I always think of it like a slingshot. Because when you pull a slingshot back, you're, you're storing energy and you let it go. And that returns or releases the energy. You've got the benefits of that little propulsion to your step, but also the compression, which is great for, you know, again, helping to relieve sore muscles. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's super interesting. Steve, I want to get into the the topic that we were talking about before, because I think that a lot of people listening to this hear the word agency. And you had some strong feelings that were starting to come up there before. And I just want to get into that because I think it's actually really helpful to hear from a CEO what those experiences have been like. Why do agencies suck so much? Because you've had some bad experiences. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'll preface it by saying that I've had some really good experiences too. You know, I would say back in the earlier days of my career, I really relied on agencies because, you know, in my opinion, they bring outside expertise. So kind of an independent perspective on what you're doing. Sometimes I think we all get a little too close to our business and maybe we can't see the forest through the trees. So I think having an outside consultant or agency provide that perspective can be really helpful. Not only that, I was always of the opinion that you can't be experts in everything. So you're bringing it expert agency, let's say Hispanic agency, we actually used gay and lesbian marketing agency. And I certainly didn't know that marketplace. Interesting. That was a really good example, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, and the other thing that I like about it is that they provide the creative that, again, we didn't really have the resource to do that ourselves. So I would say recent, and I, you know, back to your original comment, Jordan, you know, I've used agencies successfully. Lately, we've struggled I'd say in the last five years, we tried to bring that outside expertise. And what we learned pretty early on was that they didn't really understand our business the way we did or understand mm-hmm. our customer. And I think that's where the challenge was. So, you know, we took the creative on internally 
about two years ago, and we've seen an amazing improvement, both in our efficiency as well as the results. So for you, the biggest issue is just the the lack of actually understanding the individual brand itself and the nuances with the customers and rather than just putting a cookie cutter approach of like, hey, we're just going to run some Facebook ads. I think so. Again, I've had experiences recently with agencies who felt like it was a little cookie cutter. I felt like they, maybe they were more, you know, thinking about regional businesses as opposed to national businesses. I don't think they were as aggressive in terms of coming up with bold creative as I would have liked them to be. And then there was so much back and forth in terms of our thinking and our strategy and our understanding of the customer that they didn't get. It was almost like, again, wasted effort. And then, you know, when we brought it inside, it it just all came together. So let's talk about that because there are a lot of brands that are in this position where it's like, hey, what do I do as far as like, I need these resources. I need to know, like, there's just a bunch of things that need to get done. How do you make those decisions on what to outsource, right? To either freelancers, agencies, whoever that is, maybe that's even overseas employees. I'm not, I'm not sure versus keeping things in house. Yeah. Right now I'm a big believer, of course, keeping things in house because again, there, there's no lost effort, no miscommunication, or if there is, it's solved relatively quickly. I understand how small businesses have to rely on consultants and for agencies because they can't afford to bring on full timers. There's a lot of risk there. You certainly want somebody to do their job and come on board if you're not sure you're going to be able to have a successful relationship. But I think it's probably case by case. And I know that's kind of a vague answer, but I feel like the more you know your customer, the more you should bring something inside. Now, you're not relying on an agency to guide you with speaking directly to your customer. And I take the same tact in terms of customer service. As I said, we get contacted all the time by companies who say, hey, let us manage your customer service for you. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes a small company can make because, again, you really need to hear what your customer is saying and not, you know, returns or complaints. Uh, Absolutely. I'm thinking about a talk I heard from um, Aaron Spivak at Hush recently where he was talking about how in the early days and still now, still now, him as CEO over there will still call abandoned carts and figure out, hey, what was it exactly that didn't allow you to purchase today? Not giving them a discount or anything like that, literally just picking up the phone and calling people and actually understanding. And you know what's insane is that I think about these companies and I think about on the micro level right now, these companies that I know the CEOs fairly well of and what they either are is number one, they're the avatar, they're the customer, right? They're they're the person that's like, hey, like I think about about my wife actually, uh, CEO of our baby clothing company. She's a mom. She understands. Right. She's just talking right. to herself the whole time. So she gets it. And so she's really close to the customer and the customer's needs and wants and and yeah. especially hatred of certain things, right? So that she can understand that. <laughs> but I loved right. hearing right. what you said of like, yeah, the third biggest responsibility of a CEO is to know what your customers want, which is actually really interesting because I hold the CEO title here at Upgrowth Commerce and actually in function. It's not actually just in title. And I am the customer. I own multiple brands and want an agency that doesn't suck. And so it's interesting when you actually have that person in the leadership role to then be able to come back to the team and be like, no, if I was the customer and I am the customer, I wouldn't be happy here. So we got to figure out how to fix this, guys. Yeah. And and we're not a big team here. I mean, we have about a little over 20 people now. One of the hires we just made, I'm very happy with. It's the director of customer experience. 
And again, when I was growing up in the business world, there was no such. So I think yeah. people now are understanding the importance of the customer experience. And for us, you know, our customer journey is a little different. And maybe a 13 to 18 year old sees our ads or organic social, and they go to our website and they get excited. Product, it's $149 pair. So they go to parents and then their parents go to the website, to get more information. And that's probably happening in maybe, you know, 50 to 75% of the purchases that take place with us. So understanding not just the athlete, but also the parent's mindset. Yeah, that's super interesting because you're marketing to the kid that then is going to, to chat with the parent. What's your customer lifetime value like? I mean, it's hard to say as a small company, but we're probably seeing about 10% of the customer base purchase within the first year. And, you know, our average order value is upwards of $165. I've already got that good base at, at $165. Yeah. And we're constantly finding new products like propulsion socks that I spoke about earlier for upselling. So we're looking for ways to you know, continue to excite the consumer. And, you know, we, we have a great email campaign. That's one of the things that we've really improved over the last year in increasing our email databases upwards of 600 people. Wow. And that's awesome. you know, plus 500 in the last year. Holy cow. Wow. Okay. How'd you do that? I was about to ask you my last questions, but how did you get 500,000 email addresses in a year, Steve? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, the, probably should take a step back and let you know that our traffic to our website has also gone from around 50,000 to o- almost 500,000 every month. And so that- Okay. So you have 10 extra traffic. 10 extra traffic. And that's how you get more you know, email, SMS. We've also got better at that as well. And and that's really been- So organic. no special so, hacks or anything. Hey, it's just, we just have more traffic. Well, yeah, more traffic. And it sounds easy, right? Everybody wants more traffic. One of our things we've learned in the last year is ports of organic. And so that's the other thing. Our followers have grown. We're at 1.4 million followers across our social Forms. And just to give you some perspective, Dr. Scholes, which has been around for over 100 years, that around 250. So, you know, we're about five times more than Dr. Scholes, and n- none of the other insult brands are even in the same category as us. So, how we've done that again has been, I would say, TikTok is one of the biggest ways we've done it. We kind of, I would say, cracked the code a little bit. But what we realized is early on when we were talking about educating our customer, we realized again, want to no, entertain. Of course. And yeah, you know, it sounds obvious, but fortunately for us, we have a very entertaining product. Kids are dunking for the first Absolutely. time or running, running their best 40 time. And, you know, we've had a lot of fun with, and again, we've got some great people running our marketing and again, figured out, I think, how to excite our consumers. So Steve, for people who are listening, they probably don't know that you're no spring chicken right now, you know, like, I mean, neither am I, but you know. And I don't understand TikTok at all. Yesterday, I actually had like a Gen Z TikTok expert on. I feel like I learned so much there. But like, how did you guys grow over there? Because I imagine that's where your audience is, right? That's where these kids that want to jump higher and run faster, that's where they are. Yeah. How did you do that? Well, well, I'll back up a second because you said I'm no spring chicken. So for the audience sake, I've been in business and mostly consumer products for over 30 years now. And most of it has been traditional, you know, sell it through brick and mortar retail, like we all used to do back then. And I never really worked on a, you know, pure e-commerce brand until this. So definitely had to change my mindset a little bit. And one of the things, you know, obviously the importance of a website, 
optimizing that website, all the tricks of, of, of that. But with social media, you know, as I said, I think we learned early on, you have to be able to entertain your customers. And with that, for us, it was, you know, creating, I would say, themes, finding what works, certainly a lot of A-B testing. And, you know, we've been able to, I would say 80% is entertain and maybe you know, 10 or 20% is education and selling. And so I think with that formula, we've been able to figure out and have it work pretty well. And we have, you know, Drew Archiola is the son of the founder, and he's kind of become our avatar. He's a former D1 athlete. He's in his late 20s, so he can still relate to the kids in their teens. Yeah. Um, he can also speak, you know, respectfully to the parents. And so I think, and again, the fact that he is the founder and inventor's son, you know, says a lot, you know, who we are as a company. So we still have a very much a family orientation to our business. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. For me, I was just thinking right away. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is like a who, not how type of idea where it's just like, you got to find somebody who understands that and then gets that direction from leadership, right? I'm like, Hey, this is what we want to, what we want to touch on, but we also want you to do what you're good at. And I can imagine like when you told me that your traffic 10 X, I'm like, I'll bet you it's TikTok. That was like my very first thing. Question for you on the TikTok side. Are you guys testing out TikTok shops yet? We're talking about it, but we haven't tested it yet. And and the other thing that I probably shouldn't neglect is the importance of influencers. So yeah, that was yeah, an era, yeah. you know, maybe three years ago when Nil kind of started. Again, as you can imagine, there's a lot of college athletes who are excited about the idea of representing brands and making money. And we tried that route and we found that they weren't really going to create. So what we did was really reassessed and redirect those funds and that effort into real you know, professional creators. Cool. And so that's what we've been using, amplifying the message to their audience in their tone and in their style, which can be very unique and fun. Then also being able to own that creative so that we can repurpose it for our paid advertising as well. So it's worked out really well for us. Very efficient. Yeah, that's great. It's funny because people have been talking about it forever. I just, I don't pay attention to things that I don't care about at first. And in TikTok shops, I was like, oh, I guess it's just another Facebook shops. Like, Okay, big deal. Just another place you can transact. I don't believe that anymore. After I had a TikTok dude on yesterday, and I actually understand how it's going to fundamentally change influencer marketing. The influencer mm-hmm. marketing will never be the same. When TikTok shops yeah. go completely global, influencer marketing will no longer be, I pay you a thousand bucks and hope that your post goes viral. No, it's just yeah. performance. That's it. And that's what TikTok shops is doing. Yeah. In this market, influencer marketing will never be the same. And it's interesting because about a month ago, we started to develop a new performance influencer side of things over in background here at Upgrowth. And because I saw this coming as brand owners, I'm like, we're not paying anybody. Why would I pay you? Just let's do a win-win and I'll pay you on performance. That's the win-win. It makes a lot of sense, especially for you know early stage businesses. You can't afford to take risk on influencers no. and pay them and then create a fall on its face and perform. Yeah, it's really, I think it's actually really writing the ship as far as what these relationships look like, right? And I think this is the sustainable method going forward. And because TikTok is at the forefront of it, right? This is the magic of TikTok shops is that it's an affiliate influencer platform built within TikTok. That's where the magic is, is like, okay, this is the new gold standard. Like, this is how we're going to do things from now on. And I think it's way more sustainable. So I'm interested to see what happens when you guys take the plunge over there. Yeah, um, yeah we, I'm sure we will. Yeah, it's a heavy lift from what I've heard, but probably worthwhile. Steve, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? 
Oh boy. Secret scaling, I think I mentioned it earlier. You know, I think it's really understanding your customer, taking the time and effort that's necessary to understand what motivates your customer, what are they looking for, how can you help him or her and want to do. And then understanding your product and how it can help that customer. So essentially your unique selling position. What are you selling? And then inconsistent message, figuring out what works, drilling down on it and building it. Yeah, absolutely. Customer, that's what we've been talking about today, guys, right? It's like actually knowing your customer. And it's hard not to win when you don't do that. Steve, I got three more questions for you. I hope that you're ready. Yeah, sure. Fire. All right. First question for you. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Well, it has to be TikTok for all the reasons we've just talked about. You know, personally, I like, you know, it's entertaining. I'm a sports fan, of course. So chosen ESPN or any of the many sports apps. Out. But from a business standpoint, it's been TikTok. For us. Awesome. Second question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to? I would say that I'm not listening to any podcast right now. It sounds sacrilegious in this day and age. But my favorite book is Eating the Big Fish. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's a great book. The author's name is Adam Morgan. Basically talks about how to be a challenger brand, how to beat the big boys. And you know, my background has typically been with small companies, small brands. And I have kind of an underdog mentality myself. You know, favorite movie is rock. So that tells you something. But, you know, it's, it's about being bold, being creative. And, and I think whether you have a small company or a big company, you should have that mentality as a manager. Always taking risks because you're never going to learn if you don't take those risks. And you can't just walk in the shoes of, you know, the, the big brand in front of you because they have the resources, awareness. That you're never going to if you just follow in steps. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, remember any of these things that Steve and I have talked about today will be down in the show notes. So we'll make sure that a link to that book is down in the show notes as well, because that's a really interesting one I'm going to add to my Audible. Steve, last question. Uh, you just found out you have a year to live. What changes? Oh, boy. I don't think I would stop working. Let's put it that way, because I really love what I do. But, you know, you start thinking about the people in your life and spending time with them, making sure that they appreciate, you know, how much you care for them. Certainly, you know, it'd be nice to see some things and travel some places. But I would say first and foremost, it's about making sure you do quality time with people that you love. Love it. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time, your insights. Yeah, this is a really, really great conversation. I felt like this is what I needed today. I came into this comp not pumped on today. And, <laughs> and this was really, really nice to get to have a conversation with you. Where can people connect with you and find out more about Victory? Well, you www.victorygear.com. And you can learn all about the product. And I think we even have some information on the people on there and certainly all of our research. So, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn to Steve Wasik at Victory. Awesome. Hey guys, just wanted to say thanks again so much for listening to the podcast. If I could ask one favor of you, it would be to share this with your other e-commerce store owner friends. Uh, we want uh, everyone in the e-com space uh, to be listening to this podcast and lots of you guys already are. And we really, really appreciate that. One last thing before you go as well is we are offering to our podcast listeners a free e-commerce growth plan where we go from strategy to sale with your brand in this e-commerce growth plan. So feel free to go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash grow and apply for a free growth plan today. Thank you all again so much for listening.